This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast after a wild uh, double overtime Nick win up in Boston for their ninth straight win. And when you realize, as I know Nick fans uh, do, that you would make this kind of effort, make this kind of stand, have the comeback, go to overtimes with the Celtics on the road. Celtics coming off that disastrous meltdown against the Nets. Uh, So you knew they were going to be motivated. Uh, But without Brunson, who has been one of the best clutch players and one of the best guards in the league this year, uh, but the Knicks got an incredible performance from quickly, uh, a coming out party, uh, 55 minutes, 38 points, big basket after big basket, big play after big play. Uh, they pushed a lot of guys a lot of minutes tonight. They got a very good performance from Hart, uh, who played 40 minutes. They got it from Randall. They got it from Barrett. They got it from Robinson, who had uh, 14 rebounds. Uh, and made some big offensive rebound plays uh, in the overtimes. Uh, A remarkable performance for the Knicks, who right now are dispelling everything you've thought about them over recent years. I mean, it has been a long time since anybody cared about the Knicks. I stated earlier this year, I will not care about the Knicks till they start to win at home. Then they started to win at home. Well, they made the hard trade, which changed everything. Sometimes that can be the difference. Bringing in Brunson, which I talked about, and a lot of people complained that it was too much money. I was like, you're out of your mind. He's going to be good at almost double the price. I'm a big believer in him. I always have been. Okay? I am partial to Villanova guys. I love Bridges. Look what Bridges is doing now for the Nets. He, uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to get him. They couldn't. But he brought back a guy like Durant. Without Bridges, there's no Durant trade. So um, the Villanova guys, a lot of them, they move into the league very smoothly. They know how to play. They know how to play in close games. And they bring something to the table where it's about winning, where it's about cohesion. And now with Brunson's leadership and then today what they get from Quickly and what they get from so many different guys against the Celtics, a, a remarkable win, and they are changing people over from all the years where you have been disillusioned by the Knicks' play, by their terrible play at home, by their collapses with big leads, all the things, their miserable fourth quarters, all the things that you got used to with the Knicks, they are one by one checking off. We don't do that anymore. We don't do this anymore. We don't do this anymore. This is not who we are anymore. And it is getting better by the day. And I can tell you, the fact that we are doing a post-game Nick 
podcast tells you everything you need to know about right now, the attention the Knicks are getting. People are and just jumping on the Nick bandwagon. They are piling onto the Nick bandwagon. All of a sudden, you're hearing people talk about the Knicks again. All of a sudden, you hear, hey, how about the Knicks? You watch the Knicks. You hear the name. You're getting a buzz in the metropolitan area for the first time in years. You're going to see them start to talk about them every day on sports radio. There was a time, and I don't even know if people who are the main stream sports talk listeners even realize this now because it has been so much NFL talk, so much baseball talk. There was a time where we would talk 80% Knicks on programs for six, seven straight weeks where they would be the dominant talk for months at a time where they would dominate the conversation, be the main story, be the only story. And there's been a time in my later years on the fan and the years since I've left where nobody has ever even talked about the Knicks. The Knicks have been an aside. And when they do talk about them, it's only to blast them. So this is a revival And it has started to really take shape. And it has gotten real. And we talked about this weekend being a very interesting test as they went to Miami, where you knew it was going to be a tough game. And then tonight, when you knew that Brunson wasn't going to go on the sprained ankle or the partially sprained ankle, I don't think it's a real sprain, but it's nothing to keep him out of the lineup. And to play without him and to go into Boston and do what they did tonight and get the performance which they did from quickly. And he was—he not only was going 55 minutes, he's still jumping around like a kid. 50, I mean, he is a kid, but I mean, he's jumping around, bouncing around 55 minutes into the game. You know, he took 28 shots tonight. He scored 38 points. He was dynamic in the second overtime. Their defense was good because, hey, Hart made a lot of good plays on defense, made enough plays on defense to keep guys under control. They kept Tatum under control. Yeah, Tatum scored points. He's always going to score points. He scored 40 points when he took 30 shots. But he didn't kill them. He didn't go nuts. He missed a lot of shots. He was 6-17 from three. They contested key shots when they had to. The Celtics got a lot of guys who can bury the three. You know Horford's a pain in the neck. And he was a killer tonight. He got the last one. And I'm surprised it didn't go down. Because he always gets a good look from three. He's a great three-point shooter. That guy shoots 44% from three. He is deadly from three. And he made six threes tonight. And he made some killers. He made the first one that got the Celtics back in the game. But this was a tremendous, tremendous win. And what the Knicks are doing now is something they haven't been able to do in this town in years. It's not just about the standings. It's not just about how they will play in the postseason this year. 
It's about the fact that they are moving the needle in the town. They care again. They are now a story. They are now a topic. People in New York City now care about them. And everywhere in the metropolitan area, they care about the Knicks again. They're now believing in this team. They don't love Randall, but you know what? Brunson's made Randall better. These guys have made Randall better. And Brunson has provided tremendous leadership, and he's been great down the stretch of these games. And Hart's been, you know, they haven't lost since Hart came here. Sometimes a guy can just really energize that rotation, make it more intense, make it more cohesive, make it better balanced, make it better on both ends of the floor, and Hart has done that. Plays D, rebounds, he hustles, makes plays. And these guys have bought in. They have bought in in a big way. And this is now fun. And the fact, I'm telling you, it's been years, years since I've sat there glued to a Nick game like I was tonight. Years. They put a hole in our year in this town for a long time. I can't tell you how unbelievable it was when the Knicks were big back in the Ewing days or back in the Riley days. It was unbelievable. We knew in the spring that we were going to be at the Garden or on the road on a big Friday night in April, in May, hopefully into June. And on Sunday afternoon, we were going to be walking out of the Garden in the afternoon after a Sunday playoff game. We always seemed to have one on Mother's Day. Every year used to get my mother angry because I wasn't around on Mother's Day. It used to happen all the time. I can think of how many days, spring days, where I'd walk out of the garden after a thrilling Sunday afternoon game, walking down the street back to the car on a Sunday, late Sunday afternoon after an unbelievable Nick game. And the garden was the place to be. I mean, that was it. That was, I mean, the celebrities weren't a row. They, were, they didn't have to ask four or five celebrities to come for free tickets. They had rows and rows and rows of celebrities. They were the hottest ticket anywhere. To get a Knicks ticket was almost impossible. Now, they're not there yet. But for the first time in a long time, they are part of the pulse of this city from a sports standpoint. And that hasn't happened in a long, long, long time. I'm not telling you this team's going to win a championship this year, but I'm going to tell you this. This team is going to be a tough out. They are going to have some moments this year, and they're going to scare somebody this year because that's the way they're playing. And I don't think it's going to end. I don't think they're going to win every game they play. But you know what? They're going to, they're going to start a new streak when this one ends. 
and they're going to play well right into the postseason, barring some catastrophic situation where they get a major injury. Because they have right now a nucleus, a core that believes, that's buying in. And when that happens, things get better in a hurry. And they're going to be a story now in the March, in the April. And who knows? Maybe a little deeper into the spring than we think. I want to mention John Moran for a second. I've been a big John Moran guy, okay? If you've listened to me, you know that I loved John Moran in college. I raved about him when he was in college. I thought he was a talent unlike any other and that the game was made for him now, which it has been. I mean, he's one of the big, 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 biggest stars in the league. He has incredible physical ability. The world is his oyster. He is the NBA right now. And he has a chance to be maybe even its biggest star in the years to come. He's on the brink of a $231 million contract. He's got a huge endorsements. Nothing he doesn't have as long as he doesn't screw it up. And he better, in a hurry, realize that talent isn't enough. That God-given ability isn't enough. He can't do whatever he pleases. He can't hang out with whoever he thinks he can hang out with and, and do whatever he wants to impress the wrong people. And get away with it, because he can't. It will come crashing down around him. And instead of telling the saga of John Morant, who had this incredible career on his way to the Hall of Fame and fame and fortune, you tell the story of John Morant, who messed the whole thing up. Why? What are you trying to prove? Even his apology, which was quick and shows that he has a crisis management team around him, shows that there are people there who said, hey, John, listen, you got to understand, we got commitments. You are the face, of the new face of the league. This can't stand. You can't, you can't be seen or portrayed in this way. So the apology, though, to me, it rang like a crisis management corporate apology. It was like, press the button, here comes the apology. I'm not sure. You can tell when someone apologizes, whether they're apologizing or whether the machine has just gone into operation. Now, that's better than being defiant. There's no question. The apology came, and it came in a fairly timely fashion. But do I think the apology was real and he gets it? I don't. 
See, I think right now he is on the wrong track. And he better be careful because it can come crashing down in a hurry. Celebrity, incredible amounts of money. It's what people dream about. I'm sure as a young kid, it's what he dreams about. I'm sure that's all he dreamt about was, the, you know, being a basketball star, making a lot of money, flying around on private planes, wearing jewelry, blah, blah, blah. I understand. And he has the ability and he's made that happen. But you got to be careful because there's always people who are there to just pick at you and take you down the wrong track because you are money. That's it. You are just a money-making machine. And somebody has to be there who can tell you right from wrong and who can actually get through to the person who gets it. Right now, I don't think Moran does. I think he's even a little defiant. Like I said, the crisis management machine went into, went, went into motion. Put out the you know, needed response. Sorry, sorry to, to this to the city, sorry to the league, sorry to this one, sorry to that one, sorry to this one. Was there any sincerity in it? I don't think so. Did he get it? I don't know. But the league is littered with great talent. That screwed it up. If he needs chapter and verse, somebody can find it for him in a hurry. Allen isn't enough. And with all that stuff that comes to him comes some responsibility. Nothing comes without a check in life. I don't care what it is. Everything you get, you get a check. You have to give up something, whether it's giving up time, whether it's giving up time with your family, whether it's giving up whatever it might be, you have to give up something for everything you get. That's the way it works. And it is very easy, very easy, to surround yourself with people who are going to be nothing but destructive in the long term. Especially for a young guy who all of a sudden is just swimming in it. Swimming in riches. Swimming in money. The world is his oyster. There's no no's. There's only yeses. And that can be the most dangerous thing of all. And it's a critical time for him. 
There's no question he has answered the question on the court. He, he's already answered that question. We know how good he is. We know what he can be. He hasn't won yet. He hasn't won championships yet. He hasn't taken his team to those heights yet. That obviously is still to be accomplished. But this other stuff, he has to be extremely careful because it is a very, very dangerous game he's playing right now. Things can take an abrupt change, and they can take an about face before you know it, no matter how good you are. And it's very hard. It's very hard. It's hard for the teams. It's hard for the coaches. It's hard for the people who are trying to get through to him how important it is to surround himself with people who actually do care and aren't there just because he's a piece of meat who can produce great riches and, you know, allow them to do whatever it is they want to do on a daily basis. He has gotten the fame and fortune very quickly. He has risen to the top and he's done it with his talents, but it's not enough. There comes a lot of responsibility and he needs to start showing that and making the right decisions. This week we'll have a lot of obviously conference tournament stuff. You got the Big East starting Wednesday night. The Big East best day, of course, is, is, the, is the Thursday four games. That, that, that's, that to me, you know, a lot of people say the Friday doubleheader. I like the Thursday. A lot of times by Friday, you have only four teams that are all in the NCAA tournament. If you have one of those and don't have a team that's playing for its life, it loses something. You got a couple of prime candidates in that this year. Obviously, whenever St. John's goes there and they don't have an at-large bid, they are a team that everyone's always going to look to that can, if they do everything right, and in their case, make shots, run the table. They're not consistent enough to run the table. They could win a game or two, but they're not consistent enough to run the table. The question is, is Villanova? I thought with more back, Villanova was starting to show signs under their first-year coach that they could do that. But the Connecticut game Saturday night at home was a real step backwards. Connecticut just toyed with them. And their offense was awful. They acted like they haven't advanced at all this year. The utilization of Whitmore, who is going to be a a one-and-done player and is going to be a very high draft pick, but at times he's gone backwards. They have enough talent there if they play the game properly that they could run the table at the Garden. They're capable of doing it. You heard coaches say, nobody wants to see Villanova. That's true. 
I don't know if UConn would say that because they match up very well against them, but other teams have said it, and it's true. And they are the team that you keep an eye on because they aren't going to the NCAA tournament this year after all their success, and they've been as successful as any team in the country the last 10 years. They've accomplished as much as any program in America, probably more than any program in America in the last 10 years. But Jay now is going to be in the studio doing TV this year, and he's not there. But this team, with more back and playing a leading role, they are capable with more and Whitmore and Dixon and the rest of the supporting cast. They are capable of running the table and getting a bid and really lighting up MSG this week if they play properly. They have had a lot of moments this year, especially down the stretch of games where they haven't done that. But those are the teams you're looking at. Two teams that you look to see if St. John's can get hot and you look to see if Villanova can get hot. You know, the Marquette, Creighton, UConn, Xavier, they're all going to the NCAA tournament. No matter what happens this week, they're going to the NCAA tournament. None of them are planning to protect the number one seed. And they're all going to the NCAA tournament. So whether they're a five or a six or a three or a four or a seven or an eight, who cares? That includes Providence in that group too. You're looking for the teams that have to win it. And it's not even anymore where Villanova would say you get to a Saturday and they make it. No, no. They have to win the tournament to get in the NCAAs this year. Otherwise, they're not going. They're going home. They haven't earned that. Go look at their record against top teams. You'll see. It's awful. They have, deserved, they have earned nothing during this regular season. But they do have ability. And they'll be interesting to watch this week. Selection Sunday next week, and then the NCAA tournament. We got a special, we got some special stuff coming up uh, with Bet Rivers on during the tournament. Some contests for you that we'll have some fun with. So we'll get ready for that. The tournament's right around the corner. Uh, we have made it out of this uh, abbreviated, you know, baronet time. Baseball's coming quickly. The NCAA tournament's right around the corner. And the next thing you know, we got it. Plenty of action. Uh, I want to also mention, because I had a lot of people ask about High Oak. Um, Sometimes horse racing not only breaks your heart, sometimes it just leaves you with nothing to understand. We debated, as you probably know, the saga of uh, horse High Oak. He was a leading derby candidate, and he went to the Fountain of Youth two years ago as a two-year-old and almost got killed in the race. We held him out for a year, and we debated long and hard whether we should bring him back onto that track or not, and whether the horse would remember if he went on that track. Would he actually know he was on that track again a year later where he had had a fall that almost killed him? And I didn't, you know, we've like I said, we debated it long and hard. And he was training. He had not been to Gulfstream. He had been training at Payson Park, and he had been training lights out. I mean, lights out. Could not be training better. He was training like a grade one animal. 
And then he went in a race the other day, and he was very heavily bet against another horse, White Abario, who was a Florida Derby winner and a million-dollar earner already, uh, who was in that race. They were both the almost co-favorites, and he wound up winning the race. And as soon as the gate opened, Sayers told us that the horse just freaked. He wanted no part of the race. He spit the bit, and he wouldn't even run. So is it mental? We thought we were going to win that race. Our connections thought we were going to win that race. And our horse didn't even run in the race. Refused to run. Now we have to bring him to another track and hope that this is all part of his past and it does. we haven't scored him forever. Well, who knows? It's a fascinating study. And that's why horse racing can be, you know, you can have a great triumph and it's exciting. And then you can have days like this where you just, you know, want to pull your hair out. Um, you don't know the answer. That's what makes it so exciting. That's what makes it so puzzling and some, so frustrating sometimes when you see something like that. Where if you saw the race, folks, he didn't even race. He, he refused the race. He just kind of walked home. He spit the bit right out of the gate. Did he know he was on the track where it's hard to know what they know? Is a possibility. He won't be on that track again. We'll see how he does when he races again. We'll have to wait and see. But like I said, that is the ups and downs you deal with in the sport. It makes it an incredibly exciting sport with a lot of ups and downs and a lot of stories. Jeff Casacreta always runs well, and another horse who has incredible talent, and Hyok has an incredible amount of ability. We know that. That's not a, even a debatable issue, but we haven't seen it in every race, and we've had a lot of bad luck. So it's, it's hard to say, but I just wanted to bring you up to date. So it was a very frustrating Saturday again at Gulfstream. Uh, High Oak and Gulfstream have to be done forever, but that's the way it goes. We'll see what happens the next time he runs, which I would think would be sometime late in March, uh, either in New York or Kentucky on a different track, and we'll see how he does. And then we'll uh, add another chapter to the story. Uh, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you this week during the uh, conference tournaments. The one-and-done tournaments are fun. The tournaments, like I said, if you get to the point where you're in the Big 12 at the SEC and all four teams are locked into bids, then it doesn't matter. That's, that's an exercise. You don't know which one's going to play hard, which one's nursing some injuries, which one cares, which one doesn't. Always take that into account. But if you look at the one-and-done conferences, which a lot of them are decided the next couple of three or four days, those conferences, you will see some great finishes. You will see kids crying on the court. You will see great excitement. You will see great heartbreak. That's the fun part. For those teams, the NCAA tournament's already begun because they have to win their next two games or three games to get into the big dance. That's the only way in. They can't get in that large bid. So that's the fun part, the dramatic part. And I love those conference tournaments. And like you'll see, those will all be all over the uh, screen the next couple of nights. And they're fun to watch. They really are. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of drama, a lot of heartbreak, the ball, a lot of close games, the ball's on the rim, is it good or is it not good, that kind of thing. And the Knicks, hey, the city, you can hear it buzzing right now. They've won nine straight. And they beat Boston 
without their leader, who was in street clothes tonight, beat Boston in double overtime for their ninth straight win. For Nick fans, long time coming. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.